RPG lessons learned. When the game is over, when your players are gone, that's when lessons are learned. We are at RPG LL Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, RPGLLPodcast at gmail.com, and check us out online at RPGLessonsLearned.com. Hi, welcome to RPG Lessons Learned, the show where you can learn from our mistakes. With me today, as almost always, is Brian. Hey, Dusty, where's Mike? Uh, you know, he doesn't seem to want any involvement in these uh, in, in listening to a game that he didn't play in and then recording the, the intro and outro for it. I'm really enjoying sharing it with you. It's a shame. But when, it, when I proposed, you know, sharing five or six hours of a game he didn't play with, with, with Mike, he, had, he just had no interest. He has no interest. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I shouldn't say that. I'm sending the wrong message to our audience. Hey, even Mike doesn't listen to our stuff. Do you think he, yeah, he doesn't listen? No, he doesn't. If, no. if he's not on it, no. At least to a deeper question. Why do we do this? You know, your daughter asked you a great question this morning. She yeah this morning and those of you actually listening will be like hey that was a week ago on Twitter um yes this morning in in real life a uh, week a week ago in in podcast timeline or if you're listening to this in like twenty thirty five it was and years ago years ago years ago uh, she said I was I was editing the podcast I was I was editing together episodes and I was spending time doing that and not talking to her and she asked me point blank does anyone even care about your podcast other than you. And I had to laugh, and uh, I think I think the answer is no. But I'm not doing this for other people. I'm doing it mostly for me. Now, I love the idea of helping other people. Like if if anyone can get anything from this, and some people have, by the way, um, I'm still happy about what I learned last year, where Caleb used our our, our level twenty demon game, uh, Caleb from Santa Cruz, and ran his own game, and we influenced someone else's table. That still blows my mind, even though it was just one person. Uh, if we're helping people, great. But the biggest reason I'm doing this is for me. You know, honestly, as somebody who's been doing this for a long time, uh, I'll, I'll say this. You know, I, I have a moderately successful podcast. It's been going on for almost 20 years and, you know, has a good sized audience, you know, uh, quite a few people. But the person that it's the most important to still me. And if I quit doing it tomorrow, yeah, there'd be a lot of people who might miss it, but it would have the biggest impact on me. And that's pretty much the case with all podcasts, pretty much. Yeah. I've learned some really valuable lessons from RPGLL outside of RPGs, and I've learned a lot of incredibly valuable lessons editing this actual play. I, I, I've learned things listening to it. Yeah. Well, that sounds deep and philosophical. Maybe we'll get into that later. But for now, let's have a listen to this week's episode where uh, the, the, the guys go to Mooresville. Very well. Do as you wilt, but know the consequences are on your heads. Fair enough. Fair enough. See ya. How do you investigate this La Sombra business venture? Well, I mean, we grew up around here, right? So we understand Mooresville. We know a little bit about it. It's that little area with a little bit of water that Duke happened to flood a couple decades ago and it's now, a sleepy lakeside town right? With, with some NASCAR. So what do you do? Well, let's go catch us a race. Yes. Okay. Dirt track. Yeah, dirt, dirt track. track. Yeah, let's go to a local dirt track. Yeah. All right. You are at a local dirt track. Yeah. Do you remember the name of the business? Did he say the name? He did say the name he of the business. He said it was a random NASCAR place. He told you the name of it. 
Play back the play back the audio recording. <laughs> fly by night. Oh, oh said it was a I fly thought, by night. I thought I, I, that that was like yeah, that's a, a term. joke. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's also the name of this business. Clever bunch, aren't they? They are, Jack. Okay, so let's go find some fly by night at a at a night dirt track race. There's right. a few drag uh, strips around here too. Concord, more Concord thing. Yeah. You show up at a dirt track, and it, it it's small, and we're talking about like '80s cars, Ooh, like '80s muscle cars, Chargers, things like that. Yep. Rip roaring around this track, you know, doing the whole oversteering, power steering, power slides around this dirt track, and uh, sure enough, there are some vendors there, it's like some sales reps, talking to the drivers and talking to the pit crews, such as they are. But no one's wearing any obvious uniforms or insignia. But you see all this activity where the drivers and the, the, the pit crews are in the center of the track. And the, the races are in heats. Mm-hmm. So between some of the heats, you're able to get over into that area. But again, no uniforms, nothing obvious, no obvious insignia. So yeah. what do you do? How do you look for them? I'll say who's internally at the top of the heat. Okay. Roll me a mental. We'll lower the difficulty. Make it a three. And I'm asking for a roll because the, the scoreboards are not super obvious. Like, people are keeping track of it on the phone. There's not a huge electronic scoreboard. Oh, three successes. Yeah, you watch a couple of heats, and there is an obvious front runner. It's a guy named Thaddeus. That is his name. He is being announced over the loudspeakers as, despite not from being around here, not from being around these parts... Thaddeus, and the announcer makes a joke about, we'll call him Thad. We'll give him, we'll give him that. We'll call him Thad. I just picture the announcer doing that, like taking time. People are a little pissed. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, it's the South. Outsider, man. People, people have this yeah. you know, Southern identity. He's being earned hard or nothing. And this guy named Thaddeus, who, by the way, classic, you know, rich socialite in a 1990s yeah. movie, like blonde, perfect teeth, really handsome guy is kicking all these rednecks' asses at racing. And there's a lot of pissed offness and hurt feelings. So, uh, I will wait till the heat ends and kind of watch where he pulls in, see where his uh, team is. All right. He is right around the middle to the back. So he, he was a late arrival. He doesn't commonly race here. He doesn't have one of the nicer pits up front. He's in the back in one of the rotating pits. Okay. Okay. I go grab some nachos. You're unable to eat them, but sure. I at least look like I'm eating them. Well, while he's doing that, I want to uh, approach the team. Hey, y'all from around here, which team y'all's with? And when well, I, I walk up with my nachos and I say, yes, which team are you with? Really? <laughs> well, my team. My name's Thaddeus. Thaddeus Eckhart. And he, he holds out his hand. Like, he shakes. He, he gives you a good hearty like, shake. Very nice. And which team you is? Well, we're, we don't really have a team name. Okay. And so where are you from, Thaddeus? You're racing really well, so I would imagine that you grew up racing. I did. I'm from Connecticut. Well, we won't hold that against you. Connecticut. Connecticut. Oh, very nice. There's a lot of dirt tracks in Connecticut. Connecticut's not all city. Yeah. There's a lot of country, and there's a lot of dirt tracks. That's fair. Brings you to Mooresville. Well, this is where the racing is. This is where you come to be noticed if you want to be picked up by a NASCAR team. That's right. That's correct. Is there a perception check or something I can do? What are you trying to accomplish? Is this the guy? Is this, is he, is this the team? No, this is this guy's a, this guy's a, a racing team. He's he's not with a vendor selling 
You don't even know what Fly by Night sells. Is that a no. short team? No. But he's oh. not a vampire or anything he's... like that. We can't tell that he's a vampire. No, he's a not a vampire. He's not a ghoul. You're not getting anything off of him. He looks normal. Okay. You know, pink in the cheeks, flush of face. Cool. You want some nachos, Dad? Make me a metal roll. And you make me a uh, social roll. Eduardo is making the mental roll, and Zep is making a social roll. So you fail the social roll, and a single success on the mental roll. You do see a figure who's sort of pale of complexion and swarthy of build watching you interact with that. And he's a figure standing quite nearby. He's been approaching a lot of the various drivers, talking to them. When I said you see sales reps talking to drivers, they're sales reps from like racing vendors, right. not racing teams, racing vendors. Like NOS and all that stuff. Just yeah. Okay. Um, well, good chatting with you, Thad. Uh, best of luck to you. Yeah, man. I grab a zip and a wheel and walk away a little ways. Okay. I want to go off a little ways and I'm kind of observe what this fellow does. He is talking to a lot, of, not even the drivers so much as the main pit crew. Mm-hmm. He'll he'll introduce himself to a new team, quickly identify who the pit boss is, talk to them. He points at the windscreen a lot. He he'll, he'll point at the headlights a little bit. He pulls out a little catalog and he's flipping through it. And the reason you keep noticing him is that he keeps noticing you. Mm-hmm. He keeps glancing, glancing, glancing Doing your way. Eye contact. Yeah. Okay. I want to wait for him to go talk to someone else. I want to go chat with someone he's already talked with. Okay. Okay. So you do that. You walk up to a, to a, a true um, specimen of the best that dirt track racing has to offer. Uh-huh. And you walk up to him and you say, Hey, friend! Well, hey there! Hey, man, I'm, uh, I'm Eddie from Eddie, Eddie, and Eddie. We do racing wheels. How you doing today? Oh, I'm real good. We've we've had a lot of sales reps already, and we've got to focus on the next heat. So I don't take much time. That's one that a uh, thin felt or pale felt came through here earlier. Uh, which uh, firm is he from? I want to make sure he ain't one of the old uh, competition. Oh, is he muscling in on your headlight business? Uh, wheels, but yes. We oh well, you ain't nothing to worry about with him. Oh, well, who's with? What's he selling? He's a fly by night fella. He's selling some of the new halogen bulbs. Uh huh. But they've been. Turned down and retuned for racing. Really? So you can see the dirt track. They're also much more impact resistant. He he, he just was showing me his headlights, and then they've got a new uh, what they call polycarbonate windshields. They custom make them for the older models, not just the stock cars. Polycarbonate. So we can have all the benefits of a polycarbonate windshield right here in dirt track racing. Not just for them big boys and NASCAR. But Ooh, if you're selling boy. wheels, he, he said nothing about the powertrain, the wheels, the engine, the nothing. Okay, okay. He's just a headlights and windshield boy. I tell you what, friend. Uh, g- give me a card. We'll just fall, let's go do your thing. We'll fall with you later. We'll see if we make something work. How does that sound? All righty. Cool. I take his card, then wonder why a race car driver of any shape, fashion, or form would ever want lights on his vehicle. Third track racing at night. Mm-mm. No? Tracks are lit, my dude. Lots on NASCAR thing are stickers. Yeah. On NASCAR, sure. Yes. Maybe dirty. Now, rally. Rally racing. You want to talk about that? Oh, rally, wow. yes. Yeah, so that's going to put the legs on because you look cool. But uh, no, not on a uh, dirt track. Well, I'm, I, would, I would just like to see me some night dirt track race. That'd be wild as hell. Uh, yeah, I, I am. We're going to the Googles. In the dark. That'd be awesome. 
All right. In this universe, Fly by Night is selling headlights to race car drivers. Against all odds. Against all odds. Disrupting the industry. And changing racing for the better. Hashtag game chain. So now what? Um, I say we hang back and kind of observe this fellow do his thing and see where his associates are. We'll go up and offer him notches. Okay. He has no associates. Hmm. Are you trying to keep hidden from his... his... Sure. Just to clarify, he can tell that we're a vampire. We can tell that he's a vampire, right? He is pale of complexion and swarthy of build. That's all you know. Yeah. It was enough to rouse your suspicions. And then you found out that he was fly by night, which increases your suspicions. Yep. But you don't have aspects, so there's no way for you to for sure look at somebody right. and tell they're a vampire. <laughs> I mean, you could tell with like a Nosferatu or something like that, but you can't tell with uh, with this guy. So you're trying to keep hidden? Yes. Physical role, please. And he spotted you, and you're in a crowd, although evidently the crowd's not lit, so we'll, make, we'll keep it a four. Oh, it's hell lit. Okay, so you, success. You are able to melt away into the crowd. I'm going to say you're sitting about three quarters of the way up the bleachers, mm. um, right, you know, wedged in between a couple of big families, so you kind of blend in with the crowd. And you see him, sure enough, looking around some more, looking around some more, mm. but he clearly doesn't see you guys. He maybe relaxes a little bit. And he finishes out his night. Okay. He heads over to his car. It's a nice newer model, you know, 97 black Mustang. Okay. We tell him. You tell him? We tell him. All right. Who's driving? Uh, depends. Which stat is it? <laughs> you think you're going to play the smart I'm driving. You let him drive? Oh, absolutely let him drive because I'm not picking Okay. All right. Just roll or let's yeah, just roll. Let's see how smart you play this drive. You got a five right here. Alright, three successes. Yeah, you completely tail him back. Uh, he heads up twenty one and mm -hmm. right where twenty one and one fifteen meet, mm -hmm. there's a couple of uh, NASCAR shops, garages, team headquarters. And sure enough, there's a building that looks like it's been there for years. But it's got a brand new sign up, mm -hmm. Fly By Night Racing. Awesome. And it, it, in the sign, Fly By Night, uh, below it are two headlight beams that kind of underline the whole curse of insignia. So it's, it's a very cool, mm. modern, mm. but 90s logo for this place. Are the Sabat known for their graphic design skills? They're not, but as you mm. look at the Fly By Night, you can detect that there's sort of a bat theme going on with the with the black numbers and the yellow headlights and all that. There's a bat theme going on as well. So sort of an in joke for those who are in the know. Well, you're nothing if not cliche. Yeah. Um, let's take the place out. So I mean, how many they have? Yeah. Okay. Over a couple of days. What are we going to do as far as staking out? Well, I would say it's best to split up. It's best not to have both of us stake out from the same car because that'll look a little suspicious. So instead, I think I just go lay out in, in where is it? Is it in a shopping mall? Is it next to some woods? Like where? Where is it? It's twenty one and one fifteen, so there's a fair amount of traffic from Mooresville, mm -hmm. but not a whole lot. And what's around are other like race vendors and race teams. Yeah. So in any parking lot where you sit for a long amount of time, you're going to be noticed. There's no, like, 
Walmart or grocery right. store where you can just indefinitely hang out in the parking lot. Mm. How many cars are in the parking lot? A fly by night? Mm. Four. Okay. We'll come back tomorrow night. Okay. Tomorrow night, there's still four cars in the parking lot. Same four? Same four. All right, one more night. Same four. Okay, there's at least four people or one guy with a car fetish. I'm trying to think of an easy way to get in to, like, at least learn more about the store. And then... This place got windows? Go yeah. I'll go look in a window. Second story, you okay with that? I fly up to the window. You You can't fly. Yep. But you go on the property and uh, make me a physical roll to climb up to the window without making too much noise. Nope. Okay. Um, you realize, just as you start to climb the building, as soon as the giant thing of sheet metal that you're climbing flexes on you and makes a huge thunderous, like, kaboom, that the building is corrugated steel. It's, oh. a, it, it's a cheap, prefab mm-hmm. building. And you realize that everyone in that building now knows something big just hit or dented the building from the outside. Okay. Now uh, what do you do? Um, run? Go ahead and make a physical roll. He's the only one running, right? Well, but you were nearby, I assume. You are in the parking yeah, lot, too. Yeah, true. I'm just thinking, like... You both need to make yourself scarce. Uh-huh. Two. All right, two successes, two successes. Mm-hmm. You get away clean. You get into the woods, and you go far enough into the woods where, sure enough, you see four figures come out. Three men and a woman come out, and the way they're moving and the way they're looking, they clearly can see just fine at night. And they are clearly very strong and fit in how they're moving. They have a lot of gracefulness that comes from a tremendous amount of strength. Can we talk clients are with? Can you talk what? You said there's only two clans that would... And, and Jack already shared with you that La Sombra okay. had come to town. And what's their thing? We'll say that you would have asked Jack that. And Jack was something along the lines of, La Sombra are like the evil, twisted versions of the Ventru. They think they're in charge of the Sabbat. And they command and control those Sabbat vampires the same way the Ventru do... In the Camarilla. Mm-hmm. But, but, unlike the Ventru, those La Sombra are, are hell on hiding in shadows and sneaking around. Hell good or hell bad? They're, they're amazing at it. Oh. La Sombra are dangerous. Hmm. Every, every clan's dangerous, but the La Sombra and their ability to hide in darkness is unnerving to most vampires. Hmm. How many entrances are there to the building? Two. Front and back. The back one is obviously wired for a fire alarm. And windows are only on the second floor? Yep. I want to see those cars once they go back inside and things have calmed down. And that's your cars. Okay. Um, nothing foreign. Mm-hmm. Looking Fords and Chevys. Mm-hmm. All sedans, too. Okay. Are they unlocked? They are not unlocked. So they're locked? Correct. Okay. What would you say to, like, barring the doors or something like that and then throwing the building down? Molotov, yeah, to the, to the second floor? I will allow that, but it's a metal building. What would, what would you say? It's on a concrete foundation. Yeah, we'd have to have some sort of starter and, and something that, that. A tremendous amount of fuel? Yeah. Okay. 
Here's what we're going to do. Set a tanker on fire, roll it through there. Go bar the back door. I'll take the 357, the butt of it, smash the driver's size window, reach in, turn the lights, walk around, next one, next one, next one, repeat, repeat, repeat. So you have four cars facing the entrance with the headlights beams on bright, right at the front. Okay? Okay. You're He's around the side. They're going to walk out. He's going to pop, start popping the 38s. I'm going to come help. There's four of them. Their main advantage is darkness. Right? Yeah. What darkness? Okay, let's do it. Also, I'm going to burst like three blood to uh, buff myself up. All right, go ahead and yeah. mark, and, mark and buff and mark and buff. Did we ever go over what the uh, disciplines were? Remind me which ones you have. Potence and presence. Potence and presence. Vampires with potence are terrifying opponents, for they possess the strength of several humans. Potence is always on. No need to spend blood levels. Awesome. Uh, you have basic potence. Mm-hmm. You inflict plus two damage mm-hmm. in hand-to-hand combat. Damage becomes your physicality plus two now. Right. So which physicality? Uh, that's a good question. Three. So now you deal five damage when you hit. And also, you can lift approximately 1,000 pounds. Okay. All right. What was the other one? Presence. For all, you gain a charismatic aura, becoming a natural leader, seducer, or orator. All right. Which this, the mechanical thing this does is it doubles your social score. Cool, cool. For fear, basically by hissing and bearing your fangs, you instill an unnatural terror in your foes. So, unless they score a number of successes equal to your physical or social trait, whichever one you, you pick, mm-hmm. they have to flee for a scene. Okay. That one you've got to spend the blood on. Right. So, uh, do any of these cards have alarm systems? Make me a mineral roll. Don't mind if I do. And two. Two. Two? All right. You know for sure that two of them do. Mm-hmm. The other two you think may not. Okay. Want to kick this one really, really hard so they see something's wrong and come out and look at it? Still having all the lights? Eh, we'll hold off on that for the time being. Sure. Also, I want to let the air out of all their tires. Just just beforehand, just to be sure. Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, just just, just the one. You're going to let the air out of a tire of one of the cars. Of the one with one of the ones with the alarms. One of the ones with an alarm. Yeah. Okay. The one the front tire's facing where it is, so it's clearly something's up. Okay. Okay. One tire or all four tires? Just one. Just one. Then kick it really hard so the alarm goes off and we'll duck behind some others. Okay. Are you going to like leave a mark or kick it in such a way that you don't leave a mark? Kick the tire. Well, that one's off the alarm. Uh, we'll say, well, one more to the best of my ability. All right. You do that. Mm-hmm. You unscrew the valve stem cover. You let the air out of the tire. It takes mm-hmm. a few seconds. Um, you go up to the front and you go to whack the bumper like, mm-hmm. like you sort of crouch down close so you don't get too much power in it because remember you can lift a thousand pounds and you go to give that bumper kind of a good solid sock mm-hmm. to set off the airbag and set off the alarm okay so make me a physical roll to see how successful you are with your sock oh i get an extra one because i'm gonna think three three successes you, you nail it perfectly mm-hmm. you hit it the whole car kind of rocks back and then rocks back forward, and instantly the alarm's blaring, the airbag goes off, and there's not a mark on the bumper. Good, good. We we skedaddle behind the we cars out the side. You, you skedaddle yeah. out of sight? Yes. All right. 
two of them come out. And I'm like, oh, what now? And one of them yells inside, Priscilla, it's your car. And uh, now all four of them are out. So okay. first two gentlemen came out and looked. Mm-hmm. They, they, they barely got outside before they saw the lights flashing and the alarm going off. Mm-hmm. They yelled for Priscilla. All four of them are out, the three gentlemen and the one lady. Mm-hmm. And Priscilla looks mightily put out. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you idiots handle this. And she marches back inside. And then one of the one of the figures, one of the fly-by-night employees, seems to give direction to the other two for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And you can tell he's just about to go inside. Do you let him go inside? Do you attack while there are three, or do you wait till there's just two? Wait. Yeah. There's no wait till there's just two. two. Okay. He heads back inside. And now there are just two... One is on an extremely bulky cell phone, calling information. You can hear him yelling for, you know, a, a tow company. Mm-hmm. And then the other one's kind of crouching down, looking at the tire, and sort of running his fingers along. Like, you can tell he's trying to look for the cut or the blowout or whatever. Right. You may have already said this, but do we recognize any of the four as the guy that was... Yes. I did not say that, and I should have pointed that out. That one of the four is the sales rep from the dirt track okay. racing. Is he out there currently? He is one of the ones out there currently. Cell phone or tire? Uh, cell phone. Okay. All right. One more question. Uh, what was the uh, rule, damage rule on the 357 again? Okay, Dusty. Now... In recording this, when did you get the idea? Like, was this something that you wanted to do from, like, the moment that you wanted to do this in Charlotte, that you wanted to go to Mooresville? Or th- is this, like, a spur-of-the-moment type thing? No, I absolutely wanted to come to Mooresville. Um, I wish I knew Charlotte better. If it's not a cliche to to run your vampire game in or around your home city, then it should be. Because it's so fun to run a modern game in modern day, and doing it in, in Charlotte and its quote-unquote suburbs was so tempting. Yes, I wanted to do Mooresville. So is so how much of this game is going to take place in Mooresville going forward? No more. So here's the thing. Like so Well, I say no more. This session, the physical session we were around the table, was in Mooresville. So this episode and probably the next couple of episodes are in Mooresville. So when I say no more, still a few more episodes. Okay. But just the one physical session. Makes sense. So going back, again, one of your favorite qualities to an RPG or any store is the verisimilitude of you know, uh, like, uh, like just the quality of like capturing the essence of reality, being realistic and believable, whatever. Like, but with the Charlotte thing, you threw in little hooks about Charlotte, little things about Charlotte that, you know, if like the, the park and other things like that. But with this, you know, it really, you just talked about racing and you live here. I mean, there's stuff you could have, you know, snuck in to just again, to, to reinforce that. But, uh, I, you know, I, I, you know, somebody who lives here and gosh, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm invested in it. I would have liked to have heard a little more, you know, about it, like maybe had of a mention of Williamson Road or uh, Raleigh School Road or at least something like that. But like, I, I, I didn't even get that. I barely even mentioned the lake. And the yeah. lake is like the most defining factor. It is. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. You're, you're totally right. And I, I had even researched Mooresville and thought about it. But I'll tell you what happened. You always have to adapt your game 
for the players at your table? And by the way, this is an unrehearsed question. Brian's asking me this on the fly, and uh, I'm I'm saying this answer totally on the fly. So I didn't plan to sort of teach this lesson today, but I'm so glad you asked that. Here's what happened, man. As soon as I mentioned Mooresville, and this is in the same physical session, even though it was like uh, last episode, when I mentioned Mooresville, when Jack said Mooresville, Nathan rolled his eyes so hard, yeah. <laughs> and Chris rolled his eyes so hard. And a, a big talent you have to have as a GM is to watch your players yeah. and watch what they respond to. That's true. And if they don't respond well to something, you got to do less of it. And if they respond well to something, you do more of it. And they did not respond well to to Mooresville. But if you would have been in that game, I can tell there would have been a lot more local Mooresville stuff. So in, in, one of the big things, though, again, we talked before about uh, Fair Missing Out. Like for this one, I even do a podcast. It's in character for, for like a, a Southerner in this general area, you know, and you guys were getting into the accent and everything. I'd have been like, hey, y'all, this is Brian. You know, I'm here in Mooresville and I love this place. I love NASCAR. I love everything about it. <laughs> it's just the most wonderful place in the whole United States of America. We needed you. We needed you for this one. Yeah, that, that I would have just had so much fun with this one. You know, I want to go down to, you know, my favorite Chinese place, Jay's Chinese, and get me some <laughs> of that really awesome uh, sesame shrimp that they got. It's just so good. And I just, I, I may maybe go to the pit and we can, you know, drive go-karts around. So... If you're listening, you have to check out Brian's Happy Daily podcast, where Brian plays a caricature of himself. As it's basically me if I had never gotten a professional job. If I had, like, if I had never gotten a job at my, our previous company and never sort of picked myself up by the bootstraps, and I just sort of remained the the an adult version of the teenage kid that I was. That's kind of the that's kind of what I'm going for. You know, that guy lives in my mind, too. There's definitely a version of Dusty that didn't go to college, that didn't completely luck up in Mary Susan, who she's elevated me a ton. There's a version of me out there that's living a very different life. I'm not going to say better or worse, but very different. You're much more cosmopolitan than you were <laughs> when I first met you. Very cosmopolitan. But yeah, so, uh, but like, uh, I, like, I would have so just uh, reveled in this. It would have been just so great. Uh, this is so this is this may come out wrong, Brian, and please don't take it the way it might come out. It's at this moment that I most wish you were in our game. I make sense. Yeah. And, and I want I wanted you in the game the whole time. I wanted you and Mike. Uh, the scheduling is just horrible. Scheduling was horrible. We've been over that. But at this moment, with you being enthusiastic about including Mooresville, that that this at this moment is is when I most regret not having had you in this campaign because I would have done a lot more with Mooresville. But, you know, when you guys were talking about the vampire, I, for whatever reason, I, don't, I, I mentioned this, but like vampire is always been like a third rail for me that I just didn't want to touch. Uh, there mean, like the talking about an earlier version of me, there was an earlier version of me that was a little biased against tabletop and RPGs and stuff. And, you know, it's like that was just something I didn't want to get into. But for whatever reason, I still kept on to that sort of feeling when it came to Vampire the Masquerade, just based on some uh ignorant idea i had of it when i first learned of it like in the late 90s or early 2000s like oh that just sounds like something i wouldn't want to do and i just never let go of that but now that i listen to this it sounds way more fun and i absolutely would have enjoyed it yeah there, there's so many different ways to play vampire like yeah there's i think what you're alluding to is is you probably had some disdain for the whole Anne rice notion of vampire yeah i think so and, you know, I did two based purely on the movies, but then I actually read some Anne Rice, and I got to say I enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I, I, I've heard that. Surprisingly. Um, well, I was surprised. Maybe not surprisingly. You're right, man. There's this whole notion of the geek hierarchy where these geeks looked out on these geeks and these oh, nerds. I, I'm the worst with that. Yes. And, and, and I was too. And I've let go of a lot of it. I, I've watched documentaries on LARP and I'm like, these are decent people. They just have a different hobby. Um, God, that Forged in Fire show is super popular. And sword making used to be the kind of thing that was relegated to a certain corner of YouTube on the internet. And now there's a, a whole show about, you know, I don't want to say nerds making swords because there's so much more than nerds. They've got to know about metallurgy and all that. But uh, you can't look down on, on, well, that's not true. You absolutely can look down on some hobbies that are illegal, unethical, immoral. Uh, but if the hobby is legal, ethical, and moral, it's pretty tough to look down on it. I try to keep a really open mind when dealing with other people's hobbies. Yeah, I, I just uh, quick aside, um, like when it comes to the geek hierarchy, I know it's different than the one you're talking about. But like the one for Transformers fans, which that's, again, we, we talk about, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, it's at tfradio.net. It's with, you know, my, all my Transformers podcasts and stuff. Like for the Transformers geek hierarchy, the only thing that I'm missing is I'm not a convention organizer. But otherwise, you know, that's like the one thing. So like I've always sort of, and I regret it now, but I'm not going to lie. I've had that sort of superior attitude when it comes to certain things. And like, I'll just not go to certain locations. Like, there's a game store down the road. I would just kind of avoid it because I didn't want to get in conversations with people that, you know, I felt like I was a bigger nerd than. But in reality, it's I think that I saw myself in those people, and I just didn't want to confront it. I can see that. That's uh, that, So I owe you $50 for this hour, I think, for the, <laughs> for the therapy session. It's good for both of us. I actually... We, we alluded at the top of the episode to lessons that, that I've learned just in this campaign. And actually, I'd like to share one with you, if you don't mind. And this is also not in our show notes. So one of the big lessons I've learned this has nothing to do with geek hierarchy, changing topics entirely. I'm a jerk. I am too. I am such a jerk. Like editing the AP, you know who I cut out the most? Yourself. Me? Yeah. Because holy crap, I talk over everybody. And I talk over. I interrupt Chris and Nathan a lot. And when I listen to myself, oh, I cringe. And then I edit it out to make me seem nicer on the internet. But it's been a lot of introspection. Like, I don't know how many more APs we're going to do. I'm going to finish this vampire one. I really want to edit together the one that we did of Terror on the Kataro. That's so important to me to get that out there. And I think that'll probably be it for our APs. But I'm so glad that we're doing this one. And not for other people, for me. Because it's made me so aware of me cutting people. And when I go to lunch with Mike now... Or I talk to Chris or I talk to, to anyone. Editing this AP has, has made me really stop and think about when I start talking. I I don't think I have the problem so much with talking over people, but sometimes I'll talk down to people. And sometimes I'll have an idea and I'll just ramble on about it and lose my lose my point in trying to make it. Like in editing this podcast, the person I edit the most absolutely is me. I will have like something where I talk about 45 seconds on something and then in editing it, I, I cut it down to like three words and, and it actually it almost sounds like then you respond, but you're responding to something that I said that, you know, took 45 seconds, but it's almost like you're cutting me off because I only get three words out. So it actually maybe reinforces your notion of you being a jerk, but it's, you're really not. It's just that I'm editing myself out because the point I was making wasn't necessarily as uh, uh, important to the conversation as it could have been. And in these AP podcasts where you weren't there, so it's definitely not that, I am unabashedly, unmitigatedly, I, I am a jerk to Chris and Nathan. And the fact that they tolerate me, I actually caught Chris in the hallway the other day and I was like, hey, man, I need to apologize to you. 
and I, I shared this lesson with him, and I have not yet caught up with Nathan, but Nathan does listen. So, hey, Nathan, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for constantly interrupting you throughout that entire campaign. So I guess let's talk about some more of the, the, the actual campaign or the actual uh, the session. Um, there is a red herring in this uh, with the character Thaddeus. Yes, the driver. What were you thinking with that? Uh, yeah, I let that red herring go, didn't I? Um, and I kept it in the episode. So I had two things. Number one, I let that red herring eat real table time during the session. And number two, I let that red herring eat podcast time. And I wanted to do that. I like what we talked about last week. You know, hey, this, this is an AP. It's not a radio show. It's an AP. And Nathan got stuck on this idea. Not stuck on it. His first idea was to go after figuring out who the front runner in the race was. And I was thinking, okay, cool. He's going to hit up the front runner and see what vendors have been talking to him. But it's not what he did. He was misunderstanding. And he was thinking that the racing teams were fly by night. He wasn't, he wasn't remembering that I'd said it was a vendor. Which is a fair mistake to make. It's no big deal. So he spent a few minutes with Thaddeus, and I wasn't sure where he was going, but I was playing along. My default when I'm GMing is play along. Whatever the players are doing, play along. Play along, give them answers, respond to them. Um, I think I thought I knew where he was going. I tried to take it there. But then Nathan did something that I love. Nathan took a minute where he was like, all right, is this the guy or what? And I really appreciated that metagame moment where he asked me that question. Because the fact that Nathan and I have that trust lets us, uh, he, he, start, he started to feel unproductive and frustrated. And rather than just staying frustrated, he addressed it. I appreciate that. GMs need that. If you're a player and you get frustrated, believe you me, do what Nathan did in that moment and just very gently, hey, am I on the right track here? What's going on with this guy? And that was so cool and such a great moment that I really wanted to leave. Yeah, it makes sense. There's uh, something else, though, that was left in that I was a little surprised about. Which was this whole thing about the uh, the headlights? The headlights. Yeah. So, like, uh, you made a point saying that there are headlights on these uh, dirt track cars, and but you know that you have these gigantic lights around the track that light the track. Yeah. Nathan called me out and said that no, no, the tracks are lit. Um. Yeah. Again. So similar to the last answer, right? I I, I let that. Number one, it, it did eat time at the table because Nathan was straight up calling me out. And number two, I let it eat time in the episode. I think it's a different lesson. The investigation lesson is, hey, here's what to do if you get frustrated. Here's how to try to play along with your, with your players. Because it's improv, it doesn't always go correctly. Here's how to redirect it. This headlight mess up by me and the subsequent fact checking to fix it is a different lesson, which is, hey, sometimes you're just wrong. And the lore of the world can feel inconsistent to the players and just take a minute and sort it out. And we took a minute. We sorted it out. We all had a laugh. And I really love that I'm playing with two players, Chris and Nathan, who will call me out if I make a mistake, who will educate me about, hey, no, 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 the tracks are lit, my dude. And who I can laugh about it with later. And, and we've all just made the game stronger. So if I were to turn this, this is exactly what you want from your game, from your players. You want this collaborative space where we're all improving the story and the players even jump in and help improve the world. Awesome stuff. Really, really felt important to leave that in as well to model that play behavior. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to listening to the, the next episode. As, yes. As, combat. Yes. Combat in Mooresville. Combat in Mooresville outside of a, outside of a racing vendor's corrugated steel building there's so many of those is it rusty wallace's <laughs> uh you know as far as i was concerned it was a brand new one oh. and i i didn't think of you know i actually screwed up brian i'm surprised you're not calling me out on it i had the building at the corner of 115 and 21 mm -hmm. that's like halfway to troutman and there's nothing there but a gas station i meant 
corner of 150 and 21. When you even said it, I even thought 150. I didn't even think 115. 150, 115. If anyone at home is following along with a map of Mooresville, (laughs) um, ignore what I said about 115. Pretend like I said 150. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for listening. And next week, more combat. People call them postmortems, evaluations, appraisals, reviews, retrospectives. We call them lessons learned, and we're sharing ours with you.